Live from their living rooms, Cambridge Vintage Mystery Players are pleased to present Case 11 in the casebook of the Marshall Sisters Detective Agency. It's 1929, and government cryptologists have intercepted radio transmissions and cracked codes to determine that bootleggers are operating in Cambridge, Massachusetts. What, when they hire the Marshall Sisters Detective Agency to solve the case, a difficult decision must be made in the curiously complicated cryptology caper. Act one, scene one, White's News Agency. Good morning, ladies. How can I help you? Good morning. Do you have the latest issue of Variety? Dorothy Arzner, what a surprise to see you back in Cambridge. Last time you were here, you said you never wanted to come back to a place where it snows in April and sometimes in October. <laughs> Hi, Alice. Queenie and I arrived yesterday. As you know, I am the greatest director of my generation, and I'm looking for more women in interesting professions to feature in my talkie series. Cambridge is a great place to meet a lot of interesting women, so I decided to join Queenie on this trip, as long as I can get out of here by September. Alice, darling, I miss the excitement of the business and all of my friends here in Cambridge, and Hollywood had become so tiresome since my smash hit talkie, Queen of the Bootleggers. Well, it's the bee's knees to see you both again. I'd like you to meet my friend, Miss Adina White, owner of this establishment, artist, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. She was one of the few Afro-American artists to have her wood carvings featured in the Chicago Exposition. Adina, this is Dorothy Osner, and what name are you using these days? I'm sticking with Queenie. Nice to meet you, Miss White. Oh, nice to meet you both. You said you missed your business, Queenie. Is it near here? Yes, I have a little tea shop in the basement of 438 Mass Ave, just down the block. We serve Canadian and Scottish tea. You own that place? I've heard about it, of course, but my mother always warned me not to go into places like that. Well, if you change your mind, just knock three times fast and tell them Queenie sent you. Good morning, Miss White. Has the latest issue of Psychic Truth magazine come in? Good morning, madam. Um, madam, I I'm sorry, but it hasn't arrived yet. <gasps> what a disappointment. As you know, I have an article in the latest issue on spirit writing based on my vast experience. Why, Madam, um, I haven't seen you since that night in the tunnel near the Charles River when, I mean, that was a beautiful evening, wasn't it? Oh, yes, you were meeting your partner from Canada at the Patty's Pool. <clears throat> Miss White, I would like to talk more with you about your interesting profession for an upcoming film. Would you be willing to stop by the 438 after your shop closes, or would you rather meet somewhere else? Oh, well, I'm always interested in new experiences, so I guess I can meet you there at 5. I have an hour between closing the news agents and opening the employment agency at 6. 
sheesh, you are one busy woman with your multiple businesses. I open the appointment agency in the evenings when the news agents is closed so that those who are currently employed but are seeking new positions can come and see me. Also, as you'll learn from my life story, it is hard to make a living from art. <laughs> One, scene two, Marshall Sisters Detective Agency. I see ruin and desolation all around. Men jumping from buildings because I have lost all of our money. Knock, knock. Come in. Good afternoon. I'm Elizabeth Smith Friedman. Am I addressing the Marshall Sisters? Yes, you are. I'm Alice and this is Louise. Please take a seat and let us know how we can help you. I heard you meet our downstairs neighbor, Madame Mystica, proclaiming gloom and doom. She keeps foretelling a stock market crash, which is ridiculous. And she is always flapping her gums about having served the crowned heads of Europe, which the local newsie calls the ground heads of Europe. <laughs> yes. He was rather disturbing. I thought I wouldn't be able to get up the stairs. Before I tell you anything, I need to know, on behalf of the U.S. government, that you will keep everything discussed here today completely confidential. You have our word. All of our casework is confidential, although this is the first time we've been asked to help the government. Thank you. I am a cryptanalyst code breaker working for the government. My unit is responsible for helping to apprehend criminals both here in the U.S. and in other countries by breaking the codes they use to communicate. That sounds like a really interesting job. How do you get into it? I majored in English in college with a specialization in Shakespeare. Through a fortuitous happening at a library in Chicago, the librarian introduced me to an eccentric millionaire who hired me to analyze Shakespeare's work to prove that Francis Bacon was actually the author. And did you prove it? No, but I did discover that I had a gift for code breaking. And I also met the man who became my husband, William, and trained him. We love working together, but because I am a woman and he is a man, he always gets higher ranked and paid positions. He tries to convince those in power that I'm the more skilled cryptanalyst, but they don't usually listen. I am sorry, but not surprised to hear that. We've run into a lot of men who think women can't be detectives. So how can our agency help you? We have tracked frequent radio signals from somewhere within a block of this building being received by vessels in Boston Harbor, whom we suspect are owned by liquor smugglers from Canada. I am authorized to hire your agency to find this radio transmitter so that it can be destroyed and the criminals brought to justice. Within a block of this building? I, I'm sure it is shocking for honest citizens like you to hear about criminal activities like this happening in your own city, but they happen every day. It truly shocking to believe. As this is crucial work for the security of our nation, I am authorized to pay you $500 to take the case and another $500 if you successfully find the transmitter and the culprit. I selected your agency because it is in the neighborhood of the smugglers and because it is women-owned. In my profession, I frequently run into men who don't think I can do the job. Yes, uh, we've run into that a lot. Although since we saw some high-profile cases, we get more respect. 
didn't hurt being in that Dorothy Arsner talkie. Daring Detective Danes, either. Uh, yes, I loved that film. Uh, that was where I first learned about your agency. Your job seems exciting. Uh, my work typically takes place behind the scenes rather than out in the field, but I requested this assignment because I wanted to meet you. <laughs> well, the talkie made it look more glamorous than most of our day-to-day -day work, but we have run into fake mediums and vaudeville impresarios. There are candy moguls, magicians, secret societies, and boot. Thank you so much for coming in, Mrs. Friedman. We have a number of cases on hand right now, so we'll need to look at those and get back to you with our decision. As this is a case of national importance, I assumed you would put your other cases aside and start immediately. Yes, we understand the importance, and we will have an answer for you by six o'clock this evening. Thank you, and goodbye. Phew. I thought she'd never leave. And then you. I know, I know, I know. I almost said bootleggers. Thanks for cutting me off. What are we going to do? I don't know. The radio transmitter Queenie's been using has got to be the one upstairs at WCMB. Wait a minute. When she first came back from Hollywood, she asked me to give her a tour of the radio station and was really interested in how the technology works to record and transmit over the airwaves. So she must have been sneaking up there since then to use the equipment to reach her suppliers. I don't really think of Queenie being a criminal because I like hanging out in her place and drinking giggle juice, even though it is smuggling to bring it into the U.S. And I can't imagine her rubbing people out like they do in Chicago. And how? And now that she's our friend, it's even harder to know what to do, especially since we've been sworn to secrecy. Act one, scene three, 438 speakeasy. Oh my goodness, that's just the bees. You're not dead. Are you sure? Then why am I lying on the floor with blood all over me? You're lying on the floor because you fainted when Madame Mystica told you that the government has sent one of their top codebreakers to Cambridge to help catch bootleggers by tracking down the kingpin using the radio station transmitter. And the blood that you think you have all over you is the tea that you spilled on yourself on the way down. The spirits came to me and smote me to one queenie of great danger. Oh, the spirits came to you? How about you were eavesdropping through the radiator in your office right below our agency's office when the director came to see us about doing a mystery play on WCMB about code breaking and bootleggers? A play? I thought I heard the mean... Oh, the spirits came to me that the government wanted to hire you. Well, the spirits got it all wrong. Just to play. You might want to lay off the giggle juice a bit, madame. Madame, why don't you just beat feet out of here now? Help me up, Alice, and meet my new Canadian partner, Lyman Graves. 
Mr. Graves, meet Alice Marshall, detective extraordinaire. Nice to meet you, Mr. Graves. And this is my friend, Adina White. It's her first time in this tea shop. Oh, I certainly hope they don't raid this place on my first visit. Nice to meet you, Miss Marshall and Miss White. But this is a shock. This is shocking news from Madame. We certainly don't want any want this kind of scrutiny on our brand new partnership, Queenie. You shred it, sweet. What are you going to do, Alice? Will you take the case? As I told you, Madame got it all wrong. It's just a radio play. Mr. Graves, what part of Canada are you from? Toronto, Miss White. It is a wonderful city with many more opportunities for Afro-American men like myself, and women, of course, than in most U.S. cities. My family migrated to Canada during the first, during the last century, and we have prospered there. Have you ever visited Canada? No. Massachusetts is the farthest north I've been. I grew up in Ohio and studied drawing and wood carving at the Cincinnati Institute of Art. From my youngest days, I saw patterns all around me and wanted to reproduce them, starting by carving peach stones. My work, along with that of some other Institute students, was featured at the Women's Pavilion at the Philadelphia International Exhibition. This is a great start to my interview for the film. Did you continue to pursue your art after graduation? In answer to your question, Ms. Arzner, I was able to continue and support myself with my wood carving work for several years after graduation. At that time, I was the only Afro-American woman wood carver listed in the Cincinnati directory. I completed a number of commissions, including carving the pulpit for the Bethel AME Church in Indianapolis and a tabletop of the wildflower carvings that was displayed at the 1893 Columbian Exposition in Chicago. Oh, that's wonderful that you've been able to support yourself with your art. When I first started out as a film editor, actually chopping and splicing pieces of film, most men didn't think I could do that job. Never mind become the finest director of my generation. But back to you. Through my wood carving, I came to the attention of the editor of Ringwood's Afro-American Journal of Fashion, Julia Ringwood Costin. Oh, I had the honor of serving as the arts editor for this first illustrated paper for Afro-American women. It certainly sounds like you have had an interesting career, Miss White, and you haven't even told us how, yet how you came to Cambridge. Even in Canada, where there is less racial prejudice, it is still hard for an Afro-American woman to have a career such as yours. Thank you, Mr. Graves. I would be interested in learning more about how you selected your career. Let's save that story for now. I want to hear more about you for my film, Miss White. What brought you to Cambridge? When my art business slowed down, I took a job teaching art at the Sumner High School in St. Louis the first high school west of the Mississippi for Afro-Americans, which is where I met my good friend, Gertrude Wright. Gertrude moved to Cambridge with Clement Morgan after their marriage so he could attend Harvard. I eventually moved to Cambridge and picked up my friendship and social and community activism with Gertrude, Pauline Hopkins, and other Afro-American women. Pauline Hopkins? Miss Hopkins is a novelist, journalist, and newspaper editor. She's originally from Boston, but now lives in Cambridge. 
I got to know her when she honored me by including me in her series entitled Famous Women of the Negro Race in both the Boston Globe and the Colored American Magazine. Hmm, do you have clippings of those articles? Yes, I have them at, the, at my employment agency along with copies of the fashion journal I mentioned. Oh, it's time for me to open, so let's go over there now. Two, scene one, WCMB radio station. I am still so impressed that you've learned so much on the engineering side of the radio production, sis. I really love it. And it's sure going to come in handy for us to draw Mrs. Friedman's suspicions away from Queenie. How can you do that? We're going to bounce radio waves off a different transmitter which will make it seem that the communications are not coming from WCMB. The hard part will be figuring out how to do it without getting some poor sap in hot water. Bounce radio waves? Radio waves are electrical charges that are accelerated through an antenna, like the one on top of this building. The waves are picked up by your radio set. And that's how you can hear the programs being transmitted. Okay, that makes sense, sort of. But how are you going to bounce those radio waves so that they seem like they aren't coming from here? Well, I've never tried it before, but from what I've read in Marconi and Hertz's work, I should be able to bounce our signal onto another transmitter at a different location, which will make it seem like it's coming from that transmitter. Well, how will you know if it works? If uh, Ms. Friedman and her fellow government agents don't show up here tomorrow night or tonight, we'll know it worked. <laughs> Baloney. Are you telling me the only way we'll know if this works is if we and Queenie and Mrs. Myers, the station owner, don't end up in the hoostow? <laughs> you shred it, Wheat. Plus, we have to come up with some fake code to transmit so we don't get some other poor sap in hot water. So just another straightforward case for the Marshall Sisters Detective Agency. <laughs> I think I have an idea about who could help us with the code. To scene two, Marshall Detective Agency. Knock, knock. Come in. Good afternoon, ladies. I couldn't wait any longer for your response, so I decided to come to your office again. I must say that downstairs neighbor is quite peculiar. Today she was talking about a radio mystery play about code breaking and bootleggers. Oh, yes. Madame is quite a character. You never know what she'll say next. I mean, she keeps going on and on about a huge stock market crash coming when everyone knows that these are just market corrections. I'm glad you came by, as we were just about to telephone you to let you know that we will take the case. That is such a relief. Thank you. Now, I know you can't tell us about the top secret parts of your job, but I'd love to know more about the codes and the code breaking in general. Alice and I, we used to create lots of different codes with our best friends, Sarah and Melissa, when we were girls, but it would be interesting to learn about you know, the science of code breaking. 
There are two kinds of encoded messages, a cipher in which existing letters are mixed up or substituted, and a code in which one word is substituted for another word or phrase. In both cases, a key is needed in order for the recipient to decode the message. But in your job, you don't have the key, so you have to figure it out on your own. How do you do that? You're right, Mrs. Marshall. Uh, the recipient of the encoded message has three things. The method used to encipher the original message, the key, and the period of time during which the key is valid. Sometimes a book or a wheel of rotating letters is used as the key. As we cryptanalysts don't have these items, we look for patterns. So the code we had, sis, in which like table meant hello and so on, was a code, not a cipher. And we always had that book with us. Although the conversations took a long time. They sure did. We had to have all our code books in front of us so we could figure out that table cat piano flower meant, how are you today? <laughs> For example, we start by looking at characters that appear most frequently to determine if a cipher is being used. As you may know, E is the most commonly used letter in both the English and German languages. So if we can figure out what letter is being used to represent E, we have a good start. We then look at the next most frequently used letters in the language, A and R for English, and N and I for German, and so on. Two, scene three, White's Employment Agency. Knock, knock. Come in. Oh, Miss White. Thank goodness you're still here. Oh, I just finished talking with Miss Arsner, who was kind enough to be interested in my life and work. I showed her my clippings from when Pauline Hopkins interviewed me and also talked with her about my friend, Gertrude Wright Morgan. By the way, Miss Marshall, I really enjoyed your interview with Gertrude and Clement last month about their helping to found the NAACP. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to meet them and to learn more about all the African-American leaders for equal rights living right here in Cambridge. Ms. Arsner seems to think my story is worthy of her talkie, which is flattering. And she is going to see if she can get Evelyn Prier or Lucia Lynn Moses to play me. I know you said it was exciting to have your work featured in her daring Detective Dames talkie. Yes, it was. I don't think I've heard of either of the actresses you mentioned. They're two of the few Afro-American actresses in Hollywood, and they don't get many roles because of their race. But Miss Preer starred in Within Our Gates a few years ago, and Miss Moses was recently featured in The Star of Shame. Yes, and Miss Arsner seems to always accomplish whatever she sets out to do. We're actually here to ask if you might be willing to help us with a case. How exciting! I'd love to help you, and I think I can guess which case. It has to do with the so-called bootlegging play. How did you guess? Oh, come now, ladies. I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. It was clear to me when you fogged Madame off with the story about the play that there really is a government agent trying to track Queenie down and stop her illegal business. You really are firing on all cylinders, Miss White. We've come to ask you to help us come up with a false code that can fool the government codebreaker and save Queenie from prison. When you were talking with Dorothy about your art, you said that you see patterns in everything and codes 
our patterns. If you will create a fake coded message, Alice can transmit it from the radio station, bouncing the sound waves off the other radio transmitters right, along the coast. So it'll be impossible to tell where the message is coming from. Absolutely. You see, the government tracked the transmission of Queenie's message to within a block of our office. And the radio station is one floor up from our office. So we have to literally misdirect them with radio waves. Well, I was brought up to be law-abiding and have never done anything illegal in my life. But getting to know Queenie and hearing her story of having been fired from teaching in the Cambridge public schools because her fiance was a Quaker, then taking a job at the phone company where she got little respect or opportunity for advancement because she is a woman, gave me a lot of respect for her for starting her own business. Even if it is illegal, and meeting her Canadian business partner. Yes, I noticed that you and Mr. Graves seem to take to each other immediately. I enjoy talking to a fellow Afro-American about his business. Yes, he is definitely interested in your business too. All right, I, I do find him attractive and I, I'm also impressed by his entrepreneurial spirit. As you know, I've been an entrepreneur for my entire adult life with my art and other businesses, which is not encouraged for women of Afro-Americans. It is so impressive, Miss White. And we feel terrible asking you to do something that might jeopardize you. I'll do it. You are the cat's pajamas, Miss White. Let's get started so we can transmit tonight from WCMB. Three, scene one, WCMB radio station. Uh, so what do we do now? I'm trying to find the right frequency for bouncing the signal. Once I get that, you can start typing the coded message. You should hear the noise coming through my headphones. Uh, okay, I've got what she wrote down on this paper, but it's hard to read with just these flashlights. You can't turn on the office lights in case somebody sees them from outside. Can you imagine what would happen if Mrs. Myers caught us? Just the thought of that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Remember when we went undercover to solve the case at her vaudeville theater, and she said that you had three left feet in the dancing act? <laughs> <laughs> Too right. She is a tough baby. And as I recall, she wasn't crazy about your performance as the lady who gets soft, sawed in half by the magician. Okay, I'm ready to bounce. Start typing the code and hopefully this will work. And we won't end up in the hoosgow with Mrs. Myers flapping her gums at us. Locked up with Mrs. Myers. <gasps> Just one more reason this has to work. Act three, scene two, Marshall Sister Detective Agency. Knock, knock. Come in. Oh, hello, Mrs. Friedman. Good morning. Do you have news of the case? Unfortunately, we don't have any answers for you. That is disappointing, but not surprising, as I had a call from my colleague early this morning saying that they had been mistaken about the bootleggers' transmissions emanating from this neighborhood. 
Apparently, they were traced late last night to another coastal location more than 100 miles from Cambridge. Oh, that's too bad. But it explains why we don't have anything to report to you from our investigation. Interestingly, it seems like they have started using a brand new code, which doesn't look quite like anything we've seen before. So it will require a lot of brain power to crack. Oh, dear. But <laughs> I think you said you love an intellectual challenge. Yes, I do. I have to admit, this new code intrigues and excites me. <laughs> Although I had hoped that you would be able to help me bring bootleggers to justice here in Cambridge. As promised, you will still receive a $500 check from the government for your investigation. Thank you for your service to your country. Uh oh, we wouldn't feel right accepting a check when we didn't find anything, Mrs. Friedman. Call me Elizabeth. After all, we did have a bit of a madcap adventure together. Although, I didn't get to see how you actually investigate. Now, Elizabeth, you have your trade secrets, we have ours. I suppose that makes sense. It's time for me to go back to Washington and get cracking on this latest code. It was wonderful meeting you both. Wonderful to meet you too, Elizabeth. It was exciting to learn about your work. Who knows? You might bring down Al Capone one of these days. <laughs> Act three, scene three, 438 speakeasy. Oh my goodness, this is He's always been a Yep. There you are, Miss Marshall. What's this I hear from Madam, whatever she's calling herself these days? About some play at my radio station? About bootleggers and code breaking by government agents? And good evening to you too, Mrs. Myers. Never mind the good evening, Missy. Why wasn't I informed about this play? I approve all programming for the station. I have to, or the city council will be all over me like a cheap suit, like in the days at my vaudeville theater when the dancing girls' skirts were too short. Play? Mrs. Myers, uh... I haven't heard anything about the play and the, the concept of government agents here in Cambridge to catch bootleggers. That sounds like a ludicrous plot. I mean, this isn't Chicago for Pete's sake. <laughs> well, maybe Madame is off her rocker as usual, but she grabbed me on the stairs and couldn't stop talking about this play. Well, this is the woman who keeps predicting a stock market crash for crying out loud when everyone knows these are just market corrections. Right, Louise? That's what all the newspapers say. Maybe you're right. That crazy dame has caused me a lot of trouble over the years, and she is usually wrong. Except when she predicted the death of my sister's fiancé, at the exact moment when we were at a seance with her, but that's not possible. And she did find that odd fellow's treasure buried on the grounds of the poorhouse, but I'm sure she just struck it lucky. Well, never mind about that. Let's have another round of tea, and I'll introduce you to my new friend from Canada, Mr. Lyman Graves. Nice to meet you both. From Canada, eh? Just what kind of business are you in, Mr. Graves? I'm an entrepreneur, just like yourself, Mrs. Myers. 
I've heard from Queenie about your groundbreaking work in on the with the radio station. Thank you, Mr. Graves. It's all about giving the people what they want. When they wanted vaudeville, I authored the best variety acts over at the Scenic Temple Vaudeville Theater. Then I realized that radio was the way of the future. So I started WCMB. Good evening, all. Miss White, I thought your mother told you not to patronize places like this. Yes, she did. But as I've said before, I enjoy new experiences. In fact, I think I may be taking a trip to Toronto soon. And I have to support my fellow entrepreneurs. Cheers to all of us. We're entrepreneurs that give the people what they want.